Hello, everybody. This is Anne Louise Gittleman. I'm here with you for the First Lady of Nutrition podcast, and I've got some very special guests whom I know personally and have had some wonderful, wonderful results with. I'm here with Larry Wern, who's the CEO of Clear Passage, and his beautiful wife, Belinda. And together, they co-developed the Wern Technique and Clear Passage approach, which is a non-surgical treatment for pain, female infertility, bowel obstruction, and sexual dysfunction. So good good day, my friends, and how are you this day? Hi, Anne Louise. Great to hear your voice. We're, we're hanging in here. You sound good. You sound good, dear. Well, that's, that's a good thing. Now, tell me a little bit about your journey. Belinda, maybe we should start with you. You are a physical therapist, but you are on your way to becoming a MD, if I'm not mistaken. You were very, very interested in um, medicine in your earlier day. What changed you into a physical therapist? Well, I um, actually, it's a funny story. My boyfriend at the time was in medical school and I saw how many hours a week he had to put in and being on call every third night. And I, in, in doing realistic self-assessment, I don't make good decisions when I'm tired. And, and going 24 hours um, with, you know, with no sleep just didn't seem like it was a, a good idea for me. So I, I looked into physical therapy and it sounded like, you know, a, a wonderful medically related profession. So. Um, so I changed majors, and it took six years to get my bachelor's, but I was happy about that. And how did you meet Larry, who is your life partner at this point? You two have been married 30 years-ish? Uh, 32, May 30th, yes. Uh, we actually are distant cousins, and I was born in Havana, Cuba. And uh, Larry's my in-laws, Larry's parents and grandparents, helped my parents and me move to Jacksonville, Florida when I was two months old, and Larry was three years old. So I've literally known him all my life except for two months. <laughs> <laughs> what a story. Yeah. So, you know, I, I graduated from PT school in 1975, and I got straight A's all through PT school. And um, in 1984, I developed cervical cancer. Oh, my goodness. By the time they found the cancer, it had spread from my cervix back toward my rectum. So they were very aggressive with me with radiation. So I had had to go five days a week for eight weeks for 40 external treatments, and that shrank the tumor by half, the radiation. And uh, then I had to have two internal radiation treatments where they put these radium pellets in the stainless steel tube and surgically implanted it in my uterus. And I had to lie still in a lead-lined room for 72 hours. And I had to have two of those two weeks apart. So it killed the cancer, but destroyed my ovarian function. So it threw me into menopause at 33. And I developed what's called a frozen pelvis, where everything, all my organs were glued together from adhesions, which are internal scar tissue, um, that formed from the radiation. So you know, as well as I did in PT school, I didn't know what to do to get myself out of pain. So um, that started me searching for alternative answers to treating pain caused by adhesions. And how did Larry come into the picture? Larry, you were not trained as a physical therapist originally. Tell me a little bit about your background and how you came to work with your beloved Belinda. No, you know, Belinda and I grew up together as childhood friends. We weren't really sweethearts. We were just buddies. I mean, when I was 10, she was 7. We would play together on the weekends and things like that. And I I married and, and um, went to California for a while where I became, I married not Belinda, and became guest curator at the Fine Arts Museums of San Francisco, did huge shows for the city of San Francisco and all of Marin County and Oakland and kind of joined all the museums together in a um, show that took about three years to put together. It was very large. We were in Rolling Stone on the cover of the San Francisco Examiner. It was big. I, I was young. I was only 23. I didn't know you couldn't do that then. So we just did that. <laughs> and meanwhile, Linda at the same time had, had married and she moved to South Florida and both of us, for me, my wife and I, at the time, she was an actress, 
people started treating us both like stars. And at 20, 23 years old, you just everybody treats you like you're a star. You just it was hard to hold a relationship together. She got offered a job in films in L.A. I stayed in San Francisco doing this big show. So she and I divorced simultaneously. I didn't know it. Belinda had been married and got a divorce, and we ran into each other when Belinda was when we were both in our 30s. And I said, wow, you turned out really neat. She said, wow, so did you. (laughs) We're distant cousins. Do you think it's okay that, you know, we kind of date and we talk to the parents and they said, oh, yeah, you're so far. We look at it all. They said, you're so far distant. It's it's all right. And, of course, I've just loved this person since she was, we were kids together. And here's, she's this beautiful, brilliant woman, much smarter than I, I think. But um, so uh, as we were planning to get married is when they said, well, we're going to put you in this lead-lined room. It's dangerous for us to be in there for more than five minutes at a time, the nurses said, when they, Belinda had this radium implanted in her. But we're going to keep you there for 72 hours, and we're going to do that twice. Um, so it was, it was a nightmare, her going first through the cancer, then the treatment, which was awful as far as the ramifications because a year after she was treated and louise she couldn't walk move or breathe without pain it was so horrific oh it was terrible i couldn't work for almost three years seeing somebody that i love so much in that much pain we have to find a, a a way to treat these adhesions. Her doctors didn't want to do surgery. They said, that's right by your vagina. You know, we're going to create more adhesions. It'll be worse uh, if you have surgery. You'll just have to learn to live with the pain. Yeah, so I started, uh, I must have seen at least six, if not seven or eight different kind of doctor specialists. And I got really tired of hearing your pain is all in your head or you have to learn to live with it. And at 33, that was not acceptable. So I started traveling all over the country, getting treated by therapists that did different kinds of hands-on work that I would read about in the two weekly physical therapy publications. And anyone that helped me, I started studying what they did. And then Larry got tired of me traveling so often. So he studied with the same people and ended up going to massage school and he kept treating me and got me out of pain and ready to go back to work full time. So that's when we opened our first private practice in 1989, treating people with complex, you know, head to toe pain, headaches, neck pain, back pain, pelvic pain. So you're so so. I wouldn't be wrong in saying that you're actually a pain clinic, a non toxic. So you you offer non toxic solutions to pain, acute and chronic pain. That's correct. I mean, the thing is about adhesions, these internal scars, they form anywhere tissue has been damaged. Anywhere you've had an infection or a surgery is a major cause of adhesions, uh, inflammation or, or an injury, the trauma, the surgery, these internal scars form. Then once you've healed, those internal scars remain. They're estimated at about 2,000 pounds a square inch. So but they don't show up on x-ray or MRI or CT scan. So we were seeing people with pain that are saying, I know, I've got this pain here in my side or my hip or my groin or wherever. And I go to my doctor and he says, there's nothing there or I can't see it. Or maybe you should see a psychiatrist. I mean, I, there's just nothing there. But inside you're being squeezed by these straight jackets of this glue-like substance that's, uh, that the body produces naturally adhesions, composed of collagen cross-links, little strands like strands of a nylon rope, but they they form and and the body just does not have a way to get rid of them. So that was our challenge to get rid of those in Belinda. Yeah, and the thing thing about adhesions is they're they're made up of soft tissue and soft tissue uh, areas uh, where, where there are problems don't show up on any radiologic diagnostic test. Those tests show up uh, solid, you know, more solid things like tumors or cysts or fibroids. But um, you know, when we look at a patient's history, if they've had you know any surgery, if they've had any trauma, and we look at lifetime trauma, it's cumulative. Falling off your bike as a kid, falling off of a horse, car accidents, even fender benders. 
the body lays down adhesions as a natural part of the healing process. And the way the adhesions form is sort of like a spider web. So they not only form to, to help the area that was cut or, or injured heal, they can and do start sticking to anything and everything in the vicinity that can cause pain, you know, up into the head, uh, down into the buttocks and the legs. I mean, it, you know, the adhesions run in many different directions. So I have a I have a question. Um, these these form as a result. You said infection. If somebody had an infection, if somebody had a surgery or some kind of accident, and what about repetitive postural movements? I'm, I mean, I'm thinking of those of us that text all the time, that are on the computer with that text neck that are, and are slumping over. Do you see a lot more adhesions with people that are sedentary and at the computer in this day and time? We do. I mean, the, the thing is that as we're raised and from the time we're in school, built over our school books and our desks and now computers, we're in a flexed position. That is, our shoulders and head are forward rather than standing up straight like we would be if we were hunter-gatherers. So those chronic positions over time can we believe cause adhesions on the front of our body and as you as as you grow it starts to as they're pulling your back and neck are fighting to get you to stand up straight and it you just can't because you're being pulled forward by these 2000 pounds square inch bonds so now I start to develop neck pain, back pain. Now I've got headaches because I have to look forward and it kind of squeezes at the back of my neck, the base of my skull. That's the place that we generally, un a major place for unlocking migraine headaches for our patients. Um, so, so did that, and, and of course, if you've had any sort of surgery or burst appendix or C-section, any of the things that Belinda mentioned, it pulls you forward further. So here's my question to you. How would one know when I, and I know these wonderful practitioners to my listening audience uh, personally, because I've had experience that they're a very, very fine healing clinic. Uh, uh, when I came to see you, I had no idea that my issue, my pain was caused by adhesions. And I dare say many individuals, Larry and Belinda, don't know the ideology of the, of the source of their pain. It's probably redundant what I just said. My point being is the underlying cause may be, in fact, adhesions or internal scar tissue. So how would one know if, in fact, adhesions are at play in their health condition? Well, again, you know, um, they, they have to think about their own medical history. Um, have they had a bad fall, fallen down a flight of steps? Um, uh, tripped and fallen over a dog, um, you know, any kind of an injury like that, you know, even though, you know, people say, well, it wasn't major, I didn't have to go to the hospital or anything, doesn't matter, they, they still form, the body, their body still formed adhesions. So, I mean, if people aren't sure, um, you know, we were happy to, to offer free 30-minute uh, phone consultations where um, either I or one of our other physical therapists reviews their um, filled out medical history form, and you know we, you know we, we can definitely give them more accurate answers as to if we think that adhesions are most probably what's causing their pain and, and different kinds of symptoms. So your technique, which you call the, and it's a patented technique, would you describe what that involves? If someone were to come to you, for example, and I know you have clinics and satellite clinics all over the country and in Europe, if I'm not mistaken. True. So if somebody True. were to come to you or one of your satellite clinics, give, give, me, give, give our listeners a sense of what that treatment in, would consist of, what you actually do to release, because you have a special sauce, and I'm not asking you to, to kind of uh, release, release the sauce to, to my listeners, but you have a very unique way of combining the best of the best of um, osteopathy and trigger point therapy and myofascial release and something very unique, which is the word technique. But give them a sense of what you do with the patient that comes to see you that is pain, for example, in the upper neck. Okay, the first thing, well, first of all, Anne Louise, you need to know and your audience needs to know, 
if we think we can help, we'll say so. If we don't think we can help, or we think there's a potential that there would be problems, we're going to say so. So we're not trying to sell anything or just bring people in. We're, we, we want to have people come in who we feel are appropriate and we feel we can help. So before anyone even comes in, we will send them a referral checklist for their physician to go over to rule out any contraindications or any concerns that we would have or their physician would have about receiving deep soft tissue work anywhere in their body. Um, we'll go over that and review. If we have any questions, we'll call them and or their physician or physicians to make sure that they're safe to come in. Once a person has been accepted for therapy, we're glad to have a conversation with them and, and see if it makes sense to them, if it let them know if it makes sense to us. When you come in, generally speaking, it's we had a gentleman from the PhD from the, one of the research directors at the National Institutes of Health actually moved into town here to study us when his son, who was a radiologist, started seeing some remarkable results from what we were doing. And his son called, hey, Dad, up at NIH, you got to talk to look at what these people are doing. The guy came down and studied us. And he said, well, you, you, at that point, we were opening blocked fallopian tubes, which is, has never been done without surgery. And now we've opened hundreds of them, published recently a 10-year study um, of 1,392 infertile women we treated. But um, the, uh, the, and I asked Dr. Wickman, I said, how many hours does it take to achieve results? And he said, well, he looked at all of our data and examined it, and he said it takes 16.2 hours to open block fallopian tubes. That's a really good gauge because we can do films before and after and see if you actually decreased adhesions enough to t open these tiny little structures that are designed to carry a single cell, an, an egg, and a, and a few sperm, which are much smaller than an egg, something we guys don't like to talk about. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> Anyway, he said 16.2 hours. We had people applying to us from all over the world, really, by this time. So we designed a 20-hour program. So to get to the answer of your question, once we clear you and make sure that we think you're, we're going to have good success with you and, and you understand it, um, you come in and we'll, most people fly in on the weekend. They come in on Monday morning. We'll see them for two hours Monday morning and two straight hours Monday afternoon, and the same thing Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. At the end of Friday, they're, they're just discharged. The first Monday morning, that first two hours consists of about an hour and a half of, of really a very thorough evaluation. And then in some of our clinics, like in Gainesville, where our headquarters is, we all discuss this patient every single every single break every single we take a, a break at an hour we go and talk to the next therapist there are about three of us that are treating at, at a time because we just handpick therapists we don't want just anybody um which is probably why we why we're so particular um and um and by friday afternoon they're discharged along and along we're giving them an education and adhesion so that we create the vision in the beginning and request the patient to be as much as she or he would like to be an active member of the treatment team. We educate them about adhesions, how, they're, how they form, what we're doing to deform and detach them, and give them a tool and have them visualize walking out at the end of the day on Friday with exactly the body they came here for, including leaving behind all the stuff that is not serving them anymore, any of the anger and the frustration, the why me, so that, and, and with a real understanding of not only having gotten a new body, not, no longer bound by all these 2,000 pounds of square inch crosslinks, but uh, with a knowledge of what's going on so that they know better than their physician who has said, if their physician said to them, I don't see anything or there's nothing there, they now understand what that was and how to deal with it themselves. If they need to come back, they can come back, but only I think maybe 12% of people come back. So when you start the treatment, and I've experienced it so I know firsthand what you're speaking of, 
how does it feel when you're removing adhesions? Adhesions are 2,000 pounds per inch in strength. So when people feel certain sensations, how do you know your treatment is working? Can you actually feel the adhesion detached with your skilled fingers? Well, um, we, we feel for uh, tissues and we check for the, the mobility of, like all the organs should be able to slide and glide over and around each other as they function, but also as you do all your daily activities. So, um, you know, when things become adhered, organs and soft tissues, um, it's very palpable. And, you know, our hands are, are we've been doing this for over, over 30 years. So um, we feel for areas that feel thick or lumpy or tender or hard. Uh, anywhere in the body should feel soft. So um, we, we, so we, we check organs and we, we check the soft tissues throughout the whole body. I mean, we treat the whole body because everything is connected through our connective tissue, the fascia. If you could picture being knit like a sweater, this fascia runs from head to toe and front to back, and it surrounds, uh, supports, and separates everything in the body. So with our hands, we'll, you know, wherever, wherever we feel restrict, you know, a, a tight area or, or a thick or lumpy area, we'll put those tissues on a stretch and we'll hold the stretch for a prolonged period of time. And like if you've ever pulled on saltwater taffy, you have this rectangular piece of candy and you, you have it in both hands and you start pulling your hands away from each other. Eventually, if you, if you pull and stretch hard enough and long enough, this, the taffy will, will give way and get longer. That's what it feels like to us. Um, you know, what we're doing isn't massage. We, we don't just rub over things. We are, um, you know, we, we need the friction against the adhered areas to get the adhesions to gradually deform and detach and, and give way. So uh, some of the techniques where things are, are more adhered or especially working on surgical scars, um, some of the techniques can feel uh, like a burny, stretchy, pinchy kind of sensation during the technique. Yes. But as you free up, uh, you know, that, that discomfort goes away. But we totally work within patient's tolerance. We say if zero is no discomfort and 10 is intolerable, we want them to let us know if we're getting close to a six or a seven. So we'll ease the pressure off. It might take a little bit longer, but, but that's okay, you know. One of the things that you did when I was there, which I found enlightening to say the least, is that you concentrate on the pelvic floor. Can you tell our listeners why working with the pelvic floor is so important in your complete program and resolution of, of situations and conditions and illnesses? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, again, everything is, is connected inter and interconnected uh, with our fascia, the connective tissue. So um, the, the, the pelvis is the foundation for the rest of the spine. It supports the weight of all the organs um, and it supports the, the, the spine and the head, neck, shoulders, and the, the jaw, the TNJs, the jaw joints are sort of like the last link in the chain. So just like you can't, if you have a, a house on a crooked foundation, you're gonna have a lopsided chimney you know, most of our patients, when they come in, one side of their pelvis is very, very frequently out of alignment, which makes one leg shorter than the other. So that, so that you know, that body is having to compensate all the way up into the head, neck, facial area to, to keep the body upright with gravity constantly pushing down on us. So we, we have found that um, focusing on, on getting the pelvis balanced and level, the legs even, and then freeing up the adhered areas and gradually working up into the head, neck, and, and shoulders, um, you know, many, many different kinds of symptoms are, are relieved. I have one little thing to add to that, Anne Louise, and that is that, you, gals, you women take better care of yourself, and, which means you go to the doctor more often to take care of yourselves. Women, your reproductive organs have uh, things coming in from the outside world. You're much more complex in the pelvis than a man, and you get surgeries more often. 
let's have the, doc the doctor says, well, let's have a look and let's see what's going on in there. You're liable to say, okay, let's do that. Or C-sections, hysterectomies, things like that. Then you have uh, monthly periods and often endometriosis uh, is fairly common. So for our female patients, we, you, you just have a lot more going on that can create a history where adhesions form in the pelvic floor. So, um, that, so it's not un, it's it's not uncommon. Right. No, no, not at all. Um, you know, especially also if someone's been abused. I mean, physical or sexual abuse is traumatic. It, it definitely creates adhesions. And you know, most of the work we do is external, but the internal pelvic work for men and women is invaluable because it allows us direct access to certain structures that we can't ju we just can't get from the outside. So, you know, it also allows us to free things up from the inside out and the outside in. So it's very three-dimensional. You know, we're not just working on the front of the body. We're not just working on your back. Um, so this you know, we, have an, we have an expression, treat the symptoms and look elsewhere for the cause. Because a lot of times where people are hurting isn't where their main issue or, and where the main adhered areas are. It's, it's where the body's compensating. You know, I've heard that expression, the pain is where it ain't, or something mm -hmm. like that. Maybe that's not the, quite the expression, but it's so very true. I found that the pelvic work was really, was really enlightening on so many levels. And I'm wondering also, when you see people, I mean, I, I know that you're world-renowned for the work that you do with infertility, but what are other people coming to see you about? Is it mainly infertility? I'd say about a third of our patients come to us for infertility, for blocked tubes or hormonal issues. About a third are for bowel obstructions and different gastro uh, GI issues, severe constipation, um, SIBO. SIBO for sure, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And about a third of our patients still come for um, chronic pain. I mean, they, and they've tried everything, been everywhere, and we're sort of like their, their last hope. And, you know, it's because we treat the whole body that I believe we, we get the, the results that we get. And, you know, resolving or at least significantly reducing, um, you know, he headaches, neck pain, back pain, pelvic pain. Um, if, if I may, Anne Louise, let me give you about a three-minute history of how we how we developed all of this stuff and why we're doing all this. Sure. Because it, it's it's fascinating. You know, we never really set out to do to treat a lot of the conditions that we're treating. It's our patients who brought them to us. We first were treating Belinda just because I wanted to get my wife back and get her out of pain. Then when she, we when she started treating, she was treating a woman with a slip and fall workers' comp injury. The woman said, Gee, you know, I, I got pregnant, and Belinda said, congratulations. She said, no, no, you don't understand. I've had blocked fallopian tubes for seven years, and a, a physician asked us if we we had something to do with that. We said, well, I don't know. We were <laughs> treating illness. So we examined that. He sent his wife, who was 41, had a huge infertility file, uh, endometriosis. She only had one tube, and it had been blocked for 11 years. She gets pregnant, so these women start coming to us for infertility. Uh, meanwhile, women are starting to report to, to us, Jim, having increased sexual function. I'm having an orgasm like I've never had before. Belinda said, Larry, what do we do with that? I said, just don't even mention it. We're already the weird tracks <laughs> is in town. You know? but, <laughs> That's all you need. The yeah. chief of staff of the hospital, who's a, a gynecologist surgeon, hears about that. He said, we need to publish on that and on the blocked fallopian tubes. We do? Yes, yes, we do. So we started, so we published on that, and we increased desire, lubrication, orgasm. Uh, there, you, all these were measurable, and biostatisticians are doing probability, and they're saying, yes, these are significant and significant in all six areas of sexual function. Decreasing. Then decreasing pain is a huge one. That was probably the biggest for intercourse pain. Then a rock and roll singer out, and so we started publishing the, this rock and roll singer out in California calls up and she said, I read your studies about opening black fallopian tubes. Can you open bigger tubes? And I said, what do you mean? She said, 
Well, I've, I've had seven surgeries for bowel obstruction where adhesions form in the intestines. It's life-threatening if they don't pass. They have to cut out the part that's bad, hope like heck that nothing spills into the peritoneal cavity because then it causes a new infection after they close you up. And then that surgery is the cause of the next, of another bowel obstruction and then another one. So she had had several bowel obstructions and several surgeries. We said, well, if you want to come in, we'll, we'll try clearing these larger tubes, your intestines. So she comes in, bam, she, she, we go out, we have dinner with her on a Wednesday night, um, the, her first solid meal in about six weeks. And she goes home, cancels her surgery, does an in-service for her doctors on this. We started examining and treating and realizing what a huge problem bowel obstructions were, life-threatening problem. Um, we just completed a study with a, authored by a surgeon from Harvard who referred to as quite a few and then has just since moved to Stanford and another doctor at Washington University in St. Louis that shows that we decrease bowel obstruction, recurring bowel obstructions by 15 times. Wow. Then these, these, I'm treating these patients and they're saying, you know, Dr. Seebecker wants to talk to you, or Dr. Sandberg Lewis wants to talk to you, and I never heard of either of those, and I, I kind of didn't want to call out of the blue and say, hey, you know, the patient said I should call. Doctor calls and says, what are you doing with our patients? And I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, you saved this woman's life. And I said, well, I'm glad to hear that. What Can you <laughs> tell me about it? She said, he said, yeah, you know, because she, she has SIBO, and her physician would give her medications, and the medications would work for a short period of time, but then it, it would come right back a few days later or a week later. And, and she had, had gone from 128 pounds down to 86 pounds and was in a wheelchair when we treated her. All of a sudden, you treated her, and the medications are working. What's up with that? And we said, well, that's great that we saved her life. What is SIBO? <laughs> we and we, he flew down from, from Oregon. We got him together with the chief of staff of the hospital and a double PhD in histology that we have working with us to understand what we're doing. And we realized that, I said, well, we clear bowel. We clear adhesions in the bowel. We determined, well, the medications were working. They were knocking down those, the uh SIBO bacteria, but they were reproliferating right away because the patient could not expel them. Once we cleared the adhesions from the bowel, she was able to uh, expel them, and and she suddenly could eat again and regained all of her weight. By the way, awesome. so all of these have been kind of surprises, and haven't we haven't didn't never set out to treat infertility. We set out to treat chronic pain. And that's still a main focus for us, but the bowel obstructions and the infertility and the sexual function and the dyspareunia, that is the intercourse pain, all of those sort of found us. And patients and doctors said, you have to investigate this. You have to do studies on this. So we started publishing. We've published about a dozen studies now in peer-reviewed journals. And, but that's how it all happened. So what I noticed from really perusing your website today before our podcast is that you have published quite a bit and it's very unusual for body workers to publish so much clinical research. What prompted you to do that? I just got, we got tired of doctors saying, you know, there's no proof that what you do does anything and then sending us their most complicated patients. <laughs> the ones that they didn't know what to do with because they couldn't see the adhesions. One of the most recent ones, also co-authored by those two physicians I mentioned earlier, so this woman came in, she was a patient who had Crohn's. She was scheduled for emergency surgery because she had two strictures, as you all know, that means a narrowing in her bowel that were causing obstructions. One looked like an hourglass and in one, and we have films of it, radiographs, and they're on the website, it, her intestine looks like a coffee straw for about three inches. Nothing's going through there. They said, you need to have emergency surgery. She chose to come to us instead. We treated her. She got the radiographs afterwards, the films afterwards, that showed a totally normal bowel. 
So it was, it's cool. You know, it's been really neat doing science and sort of blending that in here because we can look people in the eye and say, this is what we know. This is what we don't know. These are our results. Here's the data. It's written by independent physicians and biostatisticians and so forth. So, so, um, so that you, you need that credibility and you need to know facts and you need to be able to look people in the eyes and tell them the truth and tell them what, what you can do not just anecdotal evidence right how do people how do people find out about you they um the people find it we've we've designed everything so that people go to our website which is clearpassage.com is there's nothing salesy about it it's very educational you can learn about adhesions you can look up your condition see, gee, this makes sense to me, or this doesn't, or why, you know, I have some questions, and, and call, and, and talk to us, and our staff is, is trained to, to listen, and to really listen deeply to what you've got going on, and to answer truthfully and appropriately, and so we try to be a real educational resource for people, rather than trying to sell a a technique or a treatment or something like that. It's just, that doesn't feel right to us. I mean, people are coming to us for life-threatening conditions and for, to have a baby, which is their lifetime dream, you, you just, you, you just, and, and especially after publishing so much research, you, you just have to just say it straight and just give all the information you can. So, so we'd send them to clearpassage.com. There's some links there that they can click to get more information or to fill out a medical history form, something that we can review. We'll send them the some for their the checklist for their doctor to review as well. They can talk to their doctor. If their doctor wants to call us, that's fine. Um, but uh, that's that's pretty much how it happens. And then if they want to come, we say, well, that's fine. Where would you like to go? We have clinics from Southern California to London and Canterbury, England. So. Uh, can you set aside five days? You can come in and see us. So there you go. And so is there, is there anything? Go ahead, Melinda. No, I was just going to say, even if people don't come to us, we really strongly believe in the importance of educating people about their bodies so they, so they have a better understanding of what might be causing their, their issues. And so they'll, they'll have more informed questions to ask you know, they're, they're physicians and, and different therapists that they work with. Um, Have you written anything for the lay person in that regard? Yep. Got the latest book, we, uh, we wrote a 600-page book. That was a little bit too big, I think. So we wrote one called Adhesions. It's available at Amazon. You can actually get it, I think, for 99 cents in a Kindle edition. Otherwise, it's under it's under ten bucks. But it explains all about adhesions in the first two or three chapters, and then every chapter thereafter goes into specific conditions. I'm writing another one now, a little bit larger. It'll be about 250 pages, I guess, that has study results in it and also some patient stories in it. I'm also incidentally going to do an, a um, video because I've had so many questions, how do I know if I have adhesions? I'm going to do a video to show people how they can figure out themselves if this is, is this adhesions that I have or is this just, I have a six pack because I've been working out. So <laughs> I'll be doing a video for that as well. But the, but the adhesions is the name of the book um, and it's on Amazon or Barnes and Noble, any of those. So I have a couple more questions if you've got a little time. My, my, my questions to you are, for those individuals, and we're speaking during the, the viral pandemic that's currently taken hold of the world, so I, I know you're not actively seeing many people at this point in time. However, if, if people do want to get in touch with you, they'll get in touch through the website, and then they have a consultation to see whether they're an applicable patient or not. Am I correct? Is that the way that goes? Yes. Yeah, exactly. So for those that can't come to the clinic, what can be done at home for prevention or for treatment? Can you give me any tips, perhaps nutritional tips, or they're anti-inflammatory, certain enzymes, certain essential oils, any tricks of the trade that you might want to pass along to our listeners? 
I would I would direct them to Dr. Ann Louise Gittleman. <laughs> <laughs> We're not nutritionists. We can't really give much in the way of nutritional advice. Belinda did we did create Belinda largely created a um, diet guide for people who are having recurring bowel obstructions, and it's on our website. It's 42 pages. It has inside of there, for example, a, a chart that says just you can see where you are and, and what you're eating. If you're having problems, I think I'll just go down to this level or this level, or if I'm doing really well, I want to step up a level, I can go to that level. So, but beyond that, we're really, we can't tell people what to do with themselves at home because you're, we're talking about treating in the abdomen and the pelvis and there's so much that goes on in there. I can't give advice to someone who may have an endometrioma or an abnormal cyst or some other condition that would concern us. Yeah, or cancer. Yeah. But I imagine it's safe to say that drinking a lot of water would be important to hydrate properly, taking essential fatty acids, stretching. Are you, do you guys believe in stretching? Absolutely. Uh, stretching, yoga, and definitely, yes, we, we encourage all of our patients to drink more water than they normally do or to start drinking water if they don't. I mean, it's amazing to me how many uh, people just really don't drink water. You know, they drink sodas and tea and coffee. But, uh, yeah. Have you been interviewed by any of the, the uh, big television magazines? Uh, I guess they're, you know, something like a 60 Minutes or a Dateline. We, we have not, no. We've been covered by Contemporary OBGYN, which is a journal that goes to every gynecologist and obstetrician in the U.S. and Canada and um, women's world. And, but uh, so a large newspaper just called us from London wanting to interview us, so I got some patients who had actually flown over from England to us to, that we treated that um, did well, and some treated in, uh, in, in the U.K., but um, we've not. We're we're waiting to be discovered. <laughs> yes, you're the world. You're the world's best kept secret. So what's next on the horizon, Belinda and Larry Warren? What's next on your your bucket list for for helping people? Um, dare I say it, Parkinson's. We're looking at Parkinson's. We we have seen for years, Anne Louise. People came to us with. Um, Women came to us with high FSH, that is a hormone that is secreted by the pituitary gland. And when the when the levels are too high, it indicates that she's approaching menopause. And we women were asking us if, if we could help them with that because they were refused IVF or they couldn't become pregnant. We For years, we turned them down because we didn't think we could help. And then this woman came and she was in full menopause. We treated her. She got pregnant. The chief of staff at the hospital said, we'll need to check these pituitary levels. This is a tiny, a tiny structure in the middle of the brain. I'm coming to the Parkinson's here in a second. Um, you will need to test. Let's see if this was a fluke test before and after levels on these women that were infertile due to hormonal levels. A uh, biostatistician said treat at least eight. We treated 16 of them. Six of them became pregnant before he got a chance to. Oh take my her. gosh! <laughs> oh my other... gosh! How how fun! What a blessing for so many. Yeah, I know. And I don't know how many of the others may have gotten pregnant, but just when we checked them right afterwards, nine of the other ten improved. And the first woman is now two years later, who was supposed to be menopausal. She is now pregnant naturally with her second child, which she had. Oh my gosh. So, we were talking with a neurosurgeon and he said, well, wait a minute, if you can help that, can't you help Parkinson's? And I said, what are you talking about? And he said, well, where you're treating, where you're decreasing pressures on that pituitary, that's maybe a half inch away from where Parkinson's occurs in the brain. Um, if you're relieving pressure on that, can you do that for Parkinson's? So we're, we're applying for some funding and we're going to be doing some studies on treating Parkinson's. And um, we'll see. We're not going to make any claims, but it, mechanically it makes sense to us. So we're going to just see. That's, that's, so, that's so fascinating. So fascinating. Yeah. 
So the age range of the people that you that you see, is there a particular age range? You, do you mostly see females? No, no. Uh, we're about 40% of them, of the patients that we see, are healthcare providers or their spouses or children. Um, age range is runs the gamut from a few months old infants to uh, up in their 80s. Um, a few, we've seen a few in their 90s. But yeah, we see more women than men, but we definitely see men um, with pain, um, with uh, bladder issues, um, bowel obstructions, of course, uh, trauma, you know, sports injuries. Post appendicitis is, a, is like endometriosis, which causes inflammation throughout the system and all the interstitial spaces between organs, uh, append a burst appendix does the same thing, or a bowel obstruction surgery gone wrong where a little bit of the contents of the bowel spill into the body cavity before they sew the patient back up. So mm. those things are, are a huge problem for patients and doctors don't know what to do and the doctors and surgeons don't want to go back in there again. They can't always see through the adhesions. They're afraid they may have an inadvertent enterotomy where they cut through something. So, so those are, we're, we're very helpful for those patients um, like that. So uh, meshes, we don't have any problem treating around meshes. Um, or ostomies. Ostomies, ileostomies, colostomies, patients with Crohn's, as long as they're not in an active flare, or ulcerative colitis, as long as they're not in an active flare, they do well. Sometimes we'll, we'll spread treatment out to two weeks for them and just do two hours a day instead of four hours a day. Um, you know, you, know you, you just said something that just sparked another question, if you have a little bit more time. Um, sure. I have a lot of clients that have mesh. Does that create adhesions, particularly in certain areas? Yeah, well, you, originally the mesh is intended to help, to help uh, separate one organ from another. Yes. But what we find is that, that, like any foreign substance, that mesh often becomes involved in the healing process and adhesions attached to the mesh and so now we've got adhesions that are attached to the stomach and or the bladder and or the peritoneum and the bowel and the mesh in between. So yes, they're often involved in adhesions. That's that's kind of what I'm sensing with some of my patients that are in, in a very, very uh, chronic state of pain. And then the other thing that I'm wondering about, when women have uh, implants and then they have explants, like any kind of surgery, would adhesions be forming in the chest wall? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, again, if you picture the body being knit like a sweater, if you think about what they do in, you know, breast, uh, breast uh, implant surgery, they're cutting, they're cutting through the skin, they're cutting through the fascia, they're cutting through the, the muscles uh, to get you know, to get the implant and putting the implant in and then sewing all those layers back closed and they heal stuck together. So, I mean, it, yeah, so both of those surgeries, you know, absolutely cause a lot of adhesions affecting the chest. They, they can adhere to the diaphragm. They can pull into the back, the thoracic part of the spine. My gosh, the I think- is matter, No matter how skilled, brilliant, or compassionate your surgeon is, they have an uphill battle. They're, they're going to cause adhesions in most cases because that's how the body heals. And if they healed only, if they only formed exactly where the patient, where the their, um, doctor cut, that would be perfect. But they tend to spread over time. And as they do, they can create more inflammation than over the years. That inflammation, oh, my body's inflamed. Let me send in some crosslinks, some adhesions to help. Uh, contain that area so they tend to grow over time. So they, they stay the same or grow over time. They don't, they don't really dissipate on their own. So interesting. And I can imagine that certain types of arthritis could actually be adhesions. Yeah. So, 
so it, in exactly it's it's a um it's, it's kind of like a domino effect what would you like our listeners in our last two minutes to take home larry and belinda Warren? what are the most important things that you feel that you're that your safe passages, clear passage. For years, I've called you safe passage because for me, you were a safe passage. But clear, <laughs> clear like passage. That. What would you like your your our listening audience to uh, take home and really uh, focus on about the work that you do? Well, we want you to to get educated. If you have a pain and your doctor says there's nothing there or I can't see anything or you need to see a psychologist or have a relax, no, no. If you have a pain, it's real. Pain is not natural. There's a reason for your pain. If it can't be seen and it's not a medical condition, you don't have a disease or some hormonal thing that, that is easy to test for, Adhesions form in all of us, so suspect adhesions. Grab our book, Adhesions, the, what is it? I've forgotten the subtext on it, but grab our adhesions book, read it. It's very, it's the hidden, body's hidden menace. It's, it's very highly illustrated, very easy to read. Grab that, give us a call, look at our website, see if it makes sense to you. We're not going to try to sell you anything. We're going to try to educate you so that you can go back to your spouse or the person you trust or your physician or your healthcare provider or your body worker and say, what do you think? Does this make sense for me? Is this possibly what's going on? So just get educated yeah. so that you can step forward, not in a cloud of, of just this quandary of uh, being referred from person to doctor to doctor to doctor and nobody knows what's going on and nobody understands it. Well, there's a reason because they can't see it. So let's look at this and get educated because there's a reason for all of that. Right. And they, I would suggest that they, at our website that they're able to watch uh, testimonials of patients you know, describing at the end of the week what their week of, of treatment was like and what kind of changes that they experienced themselves for the di different conditions. I remember, Belinda, my first time at your clinic at Clear Passage, I ended up saying, I have to stay another week. <laughs> yeah, I, I begged you. I said, give me as many hours as you can. You said, I can only do a certain amount of day. I said, Let, why can't we do more? Because it was so, so helpful. And so I would encourage anybody who has chronic pain, unresolved pain, or any of the conditions that Larry and Melinda have talked about in terms of infertility, bowel obstruction, sexual dysfunction, and any type of adhesion to really search out clear passage. And I want to thank you again from the bottom of my heart. I want to say goodbye to all of our listeners. Thank you once again. I'm so grateful you're all listening. We've got record number of hours that are now being clocked in. And this is Anne Louise Gittleman saying thank you, be well, and we'll see you next time for the first Lady of Nutrition podcast.